0: Difficult to believe how quickly the summer has gone by, and during the summer we've looked at uh, the seven signs or miracles that John recorded in the Gospel of John, all pointing to the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, Uh, and it was revealed through the power that he had that come only from God in the miracles. And as we've looked at these seven, uh, six, six thus far, we saw his first miracle turning the water into wine, then he healed the official son did that from a distance, sent him home said, your son will be well. Uh, Then he healed the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, asking him, do you want to get well? And in challenging us, do we want Christ to really change our life and make a difference in our life? Uh, Then we saw where uh, he he fed the thousands of people, 5,000 men plus women and children, with two little fish and five loaves of bread. And then as he walked on the sea in a storm and came to the disciples and got in the boat with them and changed their entire perspective... Um, and then we saw most recently uh, Jesus healing uh, the man who was born blind. Well, today we come uh, to the seventh and last of these signs that John has in his gospel. And we see Jesus using his miraculous power to bring his friend Lazarus back from the dead. Great, incredible story and uh, an incredible miracle. But really it's a part of a greater story that we have to look at. We've been challenged in all of these miracles, all of these signs, to look beyond just simply the miraculous thing that was done and to see that Christ is the Messiah. He he is the Master. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And to see that that is affirming him. In fact, John comes near the end of his gospel in chapter 20 and he tells us the reason for all these miraculous things that he recorded by saying, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ." the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, this then is another miracle and sign that affirms the deity of Christ. But at the same time, this this story and this incident uh, focuses upon a larger spectrum of concern and interest, and that is the whole issue about life and death. Lazarus died and it was a perfect opportunity for Christ to show his power over death, and he did. We live in a health-obsessed age, but the reality is unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes before we die, we're all going to deal with death. We're going to face it in our own life. Uh, Some people in the life of our church have gone through that very recently, this past week even, with death coming into their family. But the good news from the Bible is this, that... The last enemy to be defeated is death. And that's Paul's promise in 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty six. And we know, though, until that time, the book of Hebrews tells us that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that then comes judgment. Well, in this health-obsessed era in which we live, I find this research kind of very interesting That from 2004, statistics gathered around the world, not just here in America, but around the world, shows that although America's life expectancy rate is improving, we aren't living as long as some people in other countries. The average lifespan today of an American is 77.9 years. That's an all-time high. Into the first service, one of our senior adults went out, and I knew he had a serious look on his face for some reason, and I didn't know what he had to say. But he shook hands and he said, you know, I'm 77 this year. I'm kind of concerned about that .9. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some live longer than 77. Some don't reach 77. But here's the interesting thing I found about this. As, as healthy as we are with all the modern science and medicine and technology and, and all that we have and gyms, and all these things to, to, to help build our health, we rank only 42nd all the way around the world in longevity of life. Isn't that something? And at the same time, we hold a vast array of ideas, some of them completely far-fetched, about what happens after life in this world. What happens when you die? Well, we got a quick video that I want you to watch this and notice two things. Number one, the variety of notions, ideas, concepts people have or none at all about death and what happens. And then think about the lostness that you see with people without Christ, okay? Here's a quick video. You die. What happens when you die? This is the profound question of the day. How would I know what happens when you die? Because I'd be dead. See? How's that for an answer? So your answer then, succinctly, is I have no idea. Pretty much. You won't know until you die, will you? That's a good question. (laughs) I don't know. Well, what's the answer? Oh, you don't know. I don't know. I'd hope that it's something good. I have no idea. I'm pretty sure, um... Uh, beyond the obvious, I have no idea. Oh, I'm gone. Where do you go? I, into the ground, when my spirit goes <laughs> to heaven. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Is this the first time you've ever considered this question? <laughs> no, but <laughs> that's the, what I've come up with. I haven't a clue. Something I'm more... Advanced. I'm pretty much like sleeping, but amplified. hopper once you die. <laughs> it's kind of hard, huh? When you die, I guess you, I don't know, go to another world or something. I really don't know. Well, other than generally decaying and dying and worms and fodder and all that, um, I don't know. Is this a religious, philosophical question we're getting at here? Is it for you? Uh, It is for me, basically. I mean, I look at nature as uh, my religion. You know, the sunset's all really I need. I was a star in the past. My heavy elements were formed in the center of a star, and they'll be there again. That's kind of where I'm at on that. Is it amazing to you that right here in America, this country, that that many people just on a quick interview had no earthly idea or a weird idea about what happens after we die? I mean, this last guy was the one where we wanted to stop the video because he said he was a star before... And I guess he came from a star, became a human, and when he dies, he's going to become a star again. So just the lostness. Think about that. Have more than just pity and say, boy, where is this country coming to? And realize, you know, these people just don't have a clue, most of them didn't, about Jesus in their life and where they would spend eternity. There comes eternity after death. Now let's go back to the story and look at this. This story about raising Lazarus from the dead, and we hear Jesus make the great declaration, I'm the resurrection and the life, gives us a proper perspective about uh, life and death and how we understand what happens once we die and why we need Christ in our life. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now, let's look at the Gospel of John, the 11th chapter, where we find this story. And and when we're introduced to this, uh, chapter 11, and Jesus and the disciples at this point, we find that John lays the foundation. He talks about the relationship that Jesus had with Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, and that they were close friends, and that he loved Lazarus. Then the message comes that Lazarus was sick, sick unto death. And, And Jesus delays going back to Bethany at least two days. And he made the comment that this sickness was not going to end in death but for God's glory. And then later on he begins that process of talking to the disciples about going back, going back to Bethany. And um, he says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. And Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And so they go. And beginning in verse 17, here's how the story unfolds. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, make a note of that. It's going to come up again, four days, and the significance of that. Uh, Bethlehem was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. They're the two sisters. Their nature is still the same as when we were introduced to them at the meal in the house. Martha is OCD. She's on the road going out to meet Jesus, right? And Mary is kind of passive-aggressive. She's staying at home waiting for him to get there. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will, live, will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live even though he dies And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews, who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, and there's Mary again, wanting to be at the feet of Jesus, true to her character and nature. And she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come, Along with her, also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then these famous words, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, here it is the second time. By this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. How, what a compelling story that we find there and so many things that... Um, we need to notice and that we can see that stands out. I t- told you to notice twice, four days, they talk about Lazarus was in the tomb. Why? Why is that significant? The ancient Jewish thought at that time was that when a person died, that that person's spirit would hover around that body for three days trying to get back into that body. But by the fourth day, decomposition had set in as the people observed that there would be an odor coming from the tomb and the spirit would dispense from there. The writer John wants to put that in there with emphasis that he was dead for four days to make sure that we know that Lazarus really did die, he was dead, he was placed in that tomb for burial, and that he wasn't just uh, fainting, hadn't fainted, and that Jesus resuscitated him, but that Jesus brought him back from the dead. Second thing to notice, both Martha and Mary come to Jesus and say the same thing. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Are they chastising Jesus? Are they blaming Jesus? You can read that into it if you want to. I think that there is, I think that there is uh, not scolding in their voice, but an admission of their belief in Jesus and his power. Lord, if you've been here, we know that he wouldn't have died. Then you notice also that Martha did not believe at this time that Jesus could bring her brother back from the dead. But she did believe in the resurrection that would come later, and judgment time, uh, that there would be a resurrection. The Bible speaks to us greatly about that. And so Jesus said in these great words, I am the resurrection and the life, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now that's a bold statement and a challenging question in it. Do you believe this? Then notice the compassion of Jesus in the shortest verse in English in the Bible. Jesus wept. That he showed his heart love for Lazarus. And then we see that Jesus performed the miracle. Uh, And as all others, he didn't do it just to show that he had the power. And to show that uh, he could suspend or reverse the laws of nature that he himself had created and put into place. But he did so, as he said earlier, for the glory of God. Jesus then called Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out, bound hand and foot. And Jesus said, and I love the translation from another version that says, Loose him and let him go. It was Augustine, one of the early church fathers who wrote in about the 4th century, said it's a good thing that Jesus called Lazarus specifically by name or every family member in that burial plot would have come out when Jesus called him to come forth. Now, what is the whole general situation that we look at? If we look at this issue about life and death and what's your concept about death and who is Jesus to you? I think there are three, three foundational principles that we need to take home from this story, okay? As Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Here's the first one. Resurrection and life are found only in Jesus. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. See, there was some Jewish thought at that time of some some kind of life after death. But Jesus clarified it and put the bold emphasis on himself, I am the resurrection. In fact, if we looked at it in the original language in which Jesus spoke it and it's recorded by John, it would be that he would put the emphatic upon it by saying, I, even I am the resurrection and the life. You see, that tells us that no hope for resurrection, no hope for heaven, no hope for eternal life, no hope for glory beyond this world except in a relationship with Jesus Christ who is the resurrection and the life. And I know that we still are curious about, well, what what really lies beyond life in this world? What really does happen during that time of death? And we have some kind of vague notion. I think most people would like to have an opportunity to go and and look over heaven's gate and see in there and see all the beauty of heaven that's being prepared for us. And and that's what they're interested in. No, To to know all these things described in the Bible, particularly the book of Revelation, is that what's in there? Well, believe me, whatever's there described in the Bible will be there. But let me tell you what I think is the most important thing for you to know about what's going to be on the other side. On the other side of life in this world... Is the resurrection and the life. And that's through Jesus Christ our Savior and our Lord. Now that good news or to keep you filled with hope and strength and power. All for today in your living out your faith. Because if that awaits you, if heaven awaits you, what in the world can earth do to you? So Jesus is in himself only the resurrection and the life. Now, here's the second principle. As the resurrection and the life, Jesus gives us hope about those who die in him. See, because Jesus Christ alone is the resurrection and the life, and because he himself died in our place, bearing our sins on the cross, and because he is alive forevermore, having been raised from the dead on that first Easter morning, we now have hope in him. And here's where that great trickle-down truth of the resurrection should permeate our lives and change everything about us so that we're characterized by hope. And that is because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, he gives us hope about those who die in him. He gives us hope about those who have preceded us in death. It's the hope with which he comforted Martha by saying, uh, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. You see, when someone that we love, someone that we know, someone close to us, whether family member or friend, when they die, we suffer grief. There is sorrow in our life because we have experienced a loss. Someone we knew, someone we love, someone who was close to us, someone we respected, you know. All of those things are there. And we go through a grief process. But praise God because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. We do not grieve as those who have no hope. But we have hope. And that's what the apostle Paul writes to the early believers, the early church in 1 Thessalonians 4. And he says, Brothers, We do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We have hope beyond life in this world. We have hope beyond death. Why? Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I read this week about what I think is a very sad custom down in the Fiji Islands. That when someone dies, the one most affected by that death either climbs to the top of a tall tree or goes to the edge of a cliff And they first of all call out that person's name, and then they call out, come back, come back, come back. You see, without Jesus Christ in your life is the resurrection and the life. There is no coming back. But when Jesus, the resurrection and the life, is in your life, we come back to life. And what a glorious life it is that the Bible describes for us. We spend eternity with God, with Jesus, and in this wonderful place called heaven. We do come back. And that gives us hope because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And then that comes to the third principle, and it's this. As the resurrection and the life, Jesus gives us hope in this life. See, Jesus doesn't give us hope beyond death and the grave, but he gives us hope now. And and the reason he does that is because we need hope. The things that we experience in life, even when we experience death, everything else we experience in life causes us to need hope. We look around that video that we saw with people who have absolutely no clue about what happens after they die. Or they got some far-fetched idea that they're going to become a star. I never heard that one. That's new to me. You know, we need need this hope in our life now because that's a hope we need to impart to this culture around us. You see, eternal life is ours, the moment we claim Christ in our own life as the resurrection and the life. And eternal life is measured both in quantity and quality. Quantity would be that it's forever. Life without end. But the quality of it, oh my goodness, the quality of that life is just absolutely out of this world. And see, we then can live through the rest of our life with a recognition that death might come to us before our Lord returns. But if it does, God has prepared us for that. You see, these bodies, even though we're living at 77.9 years on the average now, highest rate of life ever. One of these days is going to wear out, sometimes earlier than 77, sometimes long after 77. But these bodies, these bodies are finite. They aren't created to last forever. But God has provided a place for us forever and a new body. And that gives us hope now, not just about those who have preceded us in death, but about our own life and our own death. I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians when he says these words. He says, therefore, do not lose heart. You know, I've noticed so many people in our culture today lose heart. And I think it's because they don't have Christ in their life. And when you don't have Christ in your life, there's nothing that awaits you that's positive and good. And Paul goes on to say, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if this earthly house, that's this body we live in, this tent is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. How can we know that and live with confidence? Knowing that one day this body is going to deteriorate and we'll experience death. We do so because of the hope that we find in Jesus Christ as the resurrection and the life. Here's what it all boils down to for this hope in our life now. And we look down the road that one of these days this body will wear out and we'll die. The pessimistic view is to say we live in the land of the living headed towards the land of the dying. And that's not true. Reality is we live in the land of the dying. And we're headed to the land of the living. Because Jesus Christ is a resurrection and the life. So the healing of Lazarus wasn't, the, the, the raising of Lazarus wasn't just for Lazarus and wasn't for just Mary and Martha. You know, I've always thought for a long, long time, Lazarus must have been pretty mad or upset when he came back. Because he'd been gone for four days. He'd been in God's presence for four days. And he had to come back. And then he had to die all over again. But you know what? As I came through this week, the realization hit me. I don't think Lazarus had a care in the world about that. He knew there wouldn't be anything to it to die again because of what was there for him in the afterlife. He'd already had a glimpse of it. Interesting that he doesn't tell us anything about it. In fact, we don't ever hear anything else about Lazarus, do we? Interesting about that. So if God had wanted us to hear from Lazarus what's over there, he would have had him tell us, right? So in the meantime, we just live in hope and faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection and the life. When Martha is distraught about the death of her brother... Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Then he looked at her and he asked her, do you believe this? That's what I ask you today. See, I don't know what you think about Jesus. But I do know this. He's the resurrection and the life. And if you don't claim him in your life, As the resurrection and the life. Then you're dying in this world. And you will die for all eternity. But if you claim Jesus as the resurrection and the life. You have hope and the abundant life here. And eternal life in the kingdom of God. Once you have died. That's the significance of this seventh miracle. That Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe it? Father, we thank you that you showed to us through this miracle and the raising of Lazarus from the dead who had been dead for four days. The power that you gave to Jesus Christ, your son, to validate the fact that he is indeed the Messiah, our Savior, our Lord. And we thank you, Father, that he and he alone has power over death. Power to bring us back from life when we die. And so I pray that we will claim Christ today. As the resurrection and the life. As believers are here and have lost some of the hope and joy about living. And living with a sense of dread. Let them claim that joy and hope that's in Christ. As the resurrection and the life. And if there are others who have never confessed Christ as Savior. Placed their faith and trust in him. And accepted what he did on the cross. Dying in their place for their sins. And so they wouldn't have to die for all eternity. And I pray that they will come to believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And they'll make that decision as they claim him personally. Father, we pray this for your glory and the growth of your kingdom through your son Jesus Christ. Amen.